Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. I got Kid Presentable here with us. Got Lavender Gooms here with us. Got DJ Mark here with us. Here to talk about some MMA, folks. And also the fact that I think the president is going to have to pardon his own son. Yo, Mike, you you, you catch that uh, that Don Jr. news? Woo! I saw a Twitter <laughs> alert that he gave over his uh, text to week. WikiLeaks. Oh man, WikiLeaks and him go, uh, talking about stuff, Russia and all that jazz. Woo! It's hot. If you're not, well, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So oh. you can't we're not blame Don. About... You can't blame Don Jr. for trying to hook up his dad. We're not talking about uh, Donald Trump offering to go rescue uh, Leangelo Ball from a Chinese prison. In... Not. We're, we're, He's we're... going to intervene for the UCLA three. We're also. Not even talking about the fact that a, like a decent number of people in this country are trying to justify statutory rap, rape while using the Bible. So that's that. America Mary was a teenager, Bobby. Mary was a teenager. Oh, Mary was a virgin. State a virgin. What? What's up? I, I, what, 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 what? Yeah, exactly. All right, kids. Um, now we talked about politics and religion and all that jazz. Let's. Uh, who? Are all four of you that are left. Um, we're gonna talk about uh, this UFC Fight Night card that happened this past weekend. In uh, Norfolk, Virginia, um, really good card on paper, and quite frankly, I had a pretty good time watching it. A um, lot of, a lot of memorable moments, despite seeing a lot of decisions listed here. Um, got to talk a little bit about uh, some fight news um, that uh, got announced this week. Some of it a little bit puzzling, um, and we're gonna not pick because this card is booty. But we will talk about some of the more interesting fights from the UFC Fight Night card: uh, Verdum versus Tybora. Um, Let's just talk about Conor McGregor first for just for, you know, search engine optimization. Um, I don't think it's necessary to get into a long discussion about what the man did, though. I don't see how the people who are somehow OK with it are working it out in their heads. But uh, you probably if you're not a cornerman, you shouldn't climb into the cage and like, OK, what the hell's that noise? I think Steph, that you're, might you're be Steph. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all agree Connor should have got tasered immediately. That's kind of what I was Yeah, that was exactly that was Mark's take. I mean, he told me that. I'm like, yeah, man. I look, man, that was not a good every part my of it take, was a mistake. My takeaway from that was that was the best takedown I've ever seen him do. Yeah, the one he, Wait, the, the one where he ended up in his own guard? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I agree, Mike. I agree. That's the like, best takedown. That's like the best result for a takedown like, for him. The fight wasn't even called that he was in the ring. Like they didn't. They weren't even done calling the fight as over. Like, and like that at some point during the kerfuffle, the uh, poor guy who got knocked out got knocked over again. Like, well, when the referees look, he, he like he very lightly shoved Connor, which is like the least amount like he could have done. He should have. There should have been five dudes, if not tasering him, jumping him down, getting his arms behind his back, cuffing him, and escorting him outside the oct- or the cage. I don't know how many sides they have on Bellator's. But there's no way that, like, not only does he fuck up and jump in, then he's pushing referees, he's slapping people. It's like, okay, look, 
I mean, okay, the people who are somehow defending this, like, I think at this point in your life, maybe you haven't come across this fact. Like, if you like something, that doesn't mean you need to defend every, or someone, I guess, in this case. You don't need to defend every, as my antivirus goes off, that's nice. Um, uh, you don't need to defend everything that person does. Like, it's okay. Look, man, I like Prince, all right? Musicology was a shitty album, all right? Everything's not gold. I like Conor McGregor a lot. This is fucking stupid. Real fucking stupid. I mean, that's it. And then we can all probably move on with that. Um, He's going to get suspended. Stefan, he's fighting whenever he wants, right? Like I said, we're, we're arguing for equity right now. A couple belts will change hands. Tony Ferguson may defend it three times before we see Connor again. Who knows? Connor might fight GSP because, as GSP said this week, yes, he's contractually obligated to fight Robert Whitaker. Doesn't mean he wants to. So there's a lot of stuff with Connor. I'm in the camp. Like, is it? You're you're 100 right, Bob. I don't care personally. I, I wasn't I wasn't offended by it. I wasn't shocked by it. I wasn't in like I wasn't gonna you know do a wag of the finger at him. I just thought it was stupid. Yeah, but I get what you're saying. You don't you don't need to justify it. You know, we're in the era of a lot of our heroes are letting us down right now. So don't be that asshole who records a video about how, yeah, all those women are lying. And then that very man agrees that all of it is true five minutes later in the New York Times. Yeah. Don't be that guy who's on video yeah. being the denier. Yeah, know? it's just, I mean, come on, guys. Like, guy, I mean, yeah, this isn't that common. I mean, I'm just saying Jason High should probably still be in the UFC because he barely touched the official. And he had just been dropped. So <laughs> he got fired. Just saying. I yeah, mean, I'd like to Jason see Paul Daly This is Conor McGregor. Yeah, I mean. I'm willing to forgive Paul Daly and that man's sucker punch, Josh Koscheck. Ooh. That's... Or he missed. Is that more because Josh Koscheck is kind of a dick? Yeah, it's kind of like when Verdum kicked uh, Traverdian and we all unanimously didn't care. Again, people say it, man. If, that, if Verdum had kicked, like, Greg Jackson... Like, you wouldn't have found Verdum's body. The whole crowd would have turned on him. Like, if somebody you like, that wouldn't have been okay. Um, by the way, the best, kicked I was going to say, my favorite part of the Connor thing was he fucked up doubly because it was on tape delay. So Bellator spent the whole, for all of Friday, promoting this thing as if it, that was the main event. So he just, Bellator got a pop, popped a rating too, probably for them, this thing. So. Yeah. Anybody, that's it, right? We knocked that out pretty well. We put a bow on it. <laughs> Stay, right. uh, yeah, that's it. Um, There's only one Conor McGregor. Yes. And apparently Oscar De La Hoya is calling him out. Anyway, um, so we also had some weird fight news. But you know what? Let's, uh, let's get to this card first because we had some bloody fights that needed to get our attention more so than some weird fight bookings. Uh, just one, one thing before we really get into it. Just... Uh... An R.I.P. and an in memoriam to the rest of Anderson Silva's career. I mean, we were going to get to that part when I talked about the fight bookings. But the picture they used of Anderson Silva had this MMA fighter used this picture of Anderson Silva where his hands were out, like, confused about what was happening. I thought that was a good picture choice when they announced that he had failed a drug test. The third one, he has failed. So that is it. Mike's showing the picture. It's an excellent picture, Mike, isn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. Um, as I mentioned, the UFC was in Norfolk this past Saturday. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Anthony Pettis. I know, Steph, you saw it. Marcus, I know your DVR failed you, um, completely. Mike, you didn't see this? 
I did not. Okay. Um, this fight, and Steph, I'm assuming you agree with me here when I at least say this part, this was just really good. Um, I just – it was impressive in all regards. It was – Dustin Poirier was winning all the rounds, and if you didn't see it, um, Dustin Poirier and Anthony Pettis just kind of started throwing down, and Anthony Pettis started getting some really bad cuts. A couple of them in ground and pound where, Steph, I thought – it looked like at one point Pettis' nose broke, right? That was part of um. It wasn't. I, I didn't. I didn't see that his nose was smashed in. He had a really bad cut above his eye from an elbow, mm-hmm. and um, that it happened while he was in guard. It kind of just kept pulling up in his eyes. Yeah. So, uh, so much so was, that so much so that there was a point where like they stopped the fight when he and there was two pools of blood over his eyes. He couldn't see. He was on his back, and probably I didn't like that stoppage. Me personally, just a side note because Steph it looked like look none of the submissions were working. Everybody was too bloody, but he was like halfway to a triangle at that point his his leg I mean, was over his shoulder i thought it was a weird stoppage too um i did like at one point when uh pettis was on the ground and he was able to reverse the position uh he just put his cut into poirier's face mm-hmm. and he's like i'm gonna bleed into your eyes now it was <laughs> pretty gnarly but um you know you mentioned a lot of the stand-up and i think i i, I texted you after this fight and my thoughts were if it weren't for the fluky finish this was arguably the fight of the year. This was giving Gaethje and Johnson a run for their money. Like, um, I, I, I loved thing, it. Yeah, the, the yeah. ground fighting was spectacular. I was getting shades of uh, going all the way back to the tough three finale of um, Kendall Grove versus uh, what's his name, Short Fuse, uh, Herman, uh, and Herman. Where in terms of just being a grappling spectacle, it was amazing. You had. Poirier takes the back, gets the body triangle. You get Pettis reverses it to top, who gets to mount. Like, they kept reversing each other. It was something out of the video games. You know, like, when the video game, Mark, where the grappling, and it's, like, too ludicrous. Like, you're in mount, now you're in guard, now you're back to mount because of these crazy reversals. It was happening in this fight. Well, I mean, also, like, it was so much blood. There was at least three or four times where I was like, does Dustin Poirier know that he can get out of all these because of the blood? Because he was, like, in on a triangle, staff like, three times. Like, it looked like a couple, like a few times over, I'm like, well, if, if everybody was dry here, Dustin Poirier's getting yeah. choked. <laughs> I mean, half to, half of Poirier's escapes were he got uh, he got uh, Pettis high up on him, and he was able to shuck him off. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that was the blood lubrication going on. But, uh, you know, it, it led for amazing, amazing scrambles. Great, uh, you know, great ground and pound throughout. And it ultimately, I think you, you mentioned with the stand-up, it came down to Dustin Poirier's boxing. Um, his hands were just light years better than Pettis's. Pettis was getting shots in too, no doubt. He was getting combinations. He had some kicks that were really good, um, but he couldn't quite settle into that range. And Poirier really pressed on him. And yeah, we we've said Pettis is one of his kryptonite is a pressure fighter. Um, and this guy was landing. I it's honestly just, thought it, I thought honestly thought they both looked really good though. Not that Pettis was winning, but I thought like there was enough times where I was just like. Pettis could turn this around at any, I like, could win this at any second. Like Poirier's letting himself get hit at a lot of unfortunate. He left. He doesn't have a lot of defense, Dustin Poirier. At yeah, all. On, on the ground things, I kept thinking, you know, Pettis. I wouldn't have given him certain rounds, but when you know he's on the ground, oh, he's getting real close to a choke here. He's mm. getting real close. He knows what he's doing. He's setting everything up. It's not like he was helpless at all. It was just the blood was working against both of them. You know, it was helping Pettis reverse position, bad positions, but it was also helping Poirier escape. But, um, yeah, Dustin is so prone to getting hit. Um, you know, it's they both look great. It was an exciting fight, but I think it's why you'll always kind of be hesitant against Poirier. It's when he gets to a Connor, when he gets to a Tony Ferguson, 
who have these pinpoint accuracy with their strikes they do, you know Dustin's going to get cracked, so it's really can he get there first. Yeah, and um, um, I like this post-fight speech, Steph, where he just said, he didn't even ask. He's just like, I'm going to fight the winner of Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez, and then I'm going to get a title shot. And I was just like, yeah, okay. I'm okay with that plan. I'm 100% in for, if it's him and Justin Gaethje, I mean, we already saw him and Eddie Alvarez, and that was really good up until Eddie Alvarez cheated to win. Um, I mean, Marcus, to bring you in, I think Justin Gaethje versus Justin Poirier is some shit that, like, I might just be dreaming about for, like, the weeks leading up to the fight. That just sounds awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it does. And that that lead up in this fight were, were really good. And, I mean, for me, it, it yeah, easily, you know, a standout for fight of the year. And we'll have to remember this one when it comes down to it. Um, I, I, I didn't get to see the last round, unfortunately. Um, but seeing the first two, I have to agree with you guys. You know, just a fantastic fight. A lot of back and forth. Um, but for me, a big takeaway was Dustin's takedowns looked really good. And that was kind of a new wrinkle that I didn't see from him before. Um, because in the stand-up, it was pretty close. I liked Anthony Pettis a couple times in the pocket, throwing hard punches, hard straights. I was really impressed with that. But it was mostly Dustin getting these deep double legs uh, against the cage and able to drag Pettis down. Because we've seen other men. We saw Gilbert try it. We saw Eddie try it. Both really unsuccessful in getting Pettis down on the ground, even though they were in a similar position. But you just saw Dustin able to mix it up a little bit better, get into, you know, really high crotch double leg takedowns. And I think that that really turned the fight around for her because it was the ground and pound that did a lot of damage. It was Dustin being a little sharper on the ground, even though Pettis, like you guys mentioned, super crisp. Dude knew how to get every time he got his his back taken, he knew how to turn around, get back in the guard. The, the problems with Pettis is that he never was able to, you know, once he was able to reverse positions to really hold Dustin down and control him and steal some minutes away, get some time back, do some of his own damage, even though he was able to do some good ground and pound um, in his own right. But yeah, an awesome fight. It would be great to see um, him and Gaethje throw down. Him and uh, Eddie, I think, also have a storyline because I think Dustin was tuning Eddie up, and he was on the verge of winning that fight before those knees landed. Um, the only thing with Gaethje, I guess, is now seeing Dustin get these takedowns. I don't know how Gaethje is in the kind of wrestling forte. I know yeah, he's, he's a, a really good wrestler. So, I mean, that, that being for a good fight, I think either – I think Poirier probably matches up a little bit better with Eddie. I think Gaethje probably has a better shot of beating Eddie Alvarez and these two matching up, which I think would be a more interesting fight. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd be really excited to see that. I'm really excited to see Dustin just fight in general. We've seen him kind of evolve. We have seen him – he does make dumb mistakes. He's gotten caught standing, like you guys said, his, his defense standing – Definitely needs some tweaking to kind of get to that upper echelon. But uh, dude's a warrior. He has great skill sets and all the different, um, you know, assets of MMA. And, yeah, to see where he goes from here. If, if his little plan works out where he fights the winner of Gaethje and Alvarez and then goes on to whoever's holding the belt, I think that that'd be a really interesting couple of fights. So, yeah, Man, it's good stuff. I just want to name real quickly. I mean, Mike, just I'm, I'm looking at the rankings for lightweight. And just listen to these names and tell me if you can find a combination you don't want to see. Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, Khabib, Barboza, Alvarez, Gaethje, Nate Diaz, Poirier, Kevin Lee, Michael Chiesa, Ally Quinta. That's a top 10 plus champion. Well, the great thing about that top 10 is that they're all really excellent fighters. And also on top of that, none of them will give you a boring fight. The closest one there that you would think of that might give you what maybe a casual fan will call a boring fight is an Omega Medoff. 
But even by that, and that's just because of his ground to pound. I mean, he just beat the and shit out of people that, so badly that they might get entertained. Exactly. Exactly. It's like he's he's humping and throwing people to the ground with such ferocity and such dominance. You can't call it boring. So, no, there's any combination of anyone who fights in that top 10. That's a fight that if, you know, I'm not if I'm not going out with Sal and Phil, you know, to go get a burger at a <laughs> high price restaurant. Yeah, I'm staying home and watching that. Mike revealing his life. And I came to the point where he has to pay too much for burgers. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, co-main event here. By the way, uh, we said Stefan mentioned a fluke finish. We didn't actually say what it was. Pettis uh, popped the rib. It looked like trying to wiggle out of the um, body triangle, which looked so goddamn painful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I call it fluky in the sake, you know, it's it's not that, you know, the body triangle does that. It puts pressure on the body. It squeezes when you rotate it through. Yeah, that's something you're risking is breaking a rib. So it's not that it's not like, you know, it was a pure accident, but that's, you know, it's not a traditional finish. It's not a clean submission. It's not a clean strike. It's just something kind of that happens in the way of other things. Kind of like when Condit tore his knee trying to defend a takedown, you know, it's like you weren't trying to tear his knee with a takedown. It just kind of happened in the process. of Exactly. Um, Matt Brown, Diego Sanchez, when we last talked to you, this was his, his retirement fight. But then as the days got closer, cause this is MMA, Matt Brown's like, I don't know, man, maybe this isn't my last one. And then like, I think as, you realize he was fighting Diego Sanchez. Do, do you know like, what it is? Getting a w. Do you know what it is? Ben Folk said it. Nobody in MMA wants to retire off of a win or a loss. That's where you're at in this sport. You uh, you have to hope they pop for a drug test that forces them to leave. That's the Krokop. So... And then Krokop still fights in Japan. Um, So, yeah, Matt Brown, by the way, the fight itself, he hit Diego Sanchez. It was maybe the most beautiful elbow, like, I think I've ever I, – I, okay, short of Anderson Silva's backhand elbow. This might be – in the UFC, Steph, that might have been the best damn elbow I've ever seen thrown. I mean, I have to mention, it took me a while to see what ended this fight. Because oh, and it took everybody a while. <laughs> one of the one of the weirdest snafus in technical history. It's like the, they're 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 clinched against the cage, and then we cut to this empty conference room. We hear cameramen talking, and then we just have pause on this other room. And next thing, Diego is dead on the mat. And it's like it's it's always that thing I joke about where the lights go out, like something the Undertaker would do, and you come back, and someone's yeah. just it's like someone got a Kuma special. You know, they got the, uh, yeah. the dragon touch or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we didn't know what happened. It was just a weird cut. But when they got the replay, it was just this downward single strike elbow. It was just, it was beautiful. It was just, I, I, it's perfect technique. I don't know what to call it. It's just the perfect Matt elbow. Brown in the clinch, man. Matt Brown in the clinch. Marcus? Um, oh, just one sec, Stefan. Uh, the name of the movie you're thinking about. Raging me. Demon. Raging Demon. Demon. Oh, Mark swooped in on you there, buddy. <laughs> Dude, I was like, I know that one. I'm not going to let Mike get this shit. Mark's like, I got this trivia. Um, Marcus, um, Diego Sanchez has lost three of four. All three of those were knockouts. In the middle there, he handled Marcin Held in Mexico. Um, He's been doing this a long time. And he somehow only when I say Diego Sanchez has 38 fights, I'm surprised it's only 38. And I'm surprised he's only 35 years old. I don't want I mean, if he's gonna be in the UFC, all right, but he needs to fight really not good people. Right? I mean at this point, I mean, what do you think? I don't the guy is gonna fight, he wants to fight, he can fight, but like I don't need him to fight people this good. Yeah, I mean, uh it's not really for us to say when someone should hang it up. It's an extremely difficult decision, but when you do see knockouts like this, uh, 
you do have to really think about, you know, the longevity of your livelihood and taking a knockdown like this. I mean, really, it was a beautiful elbow um, from Matt Brown. But what made it all the more spectacular is just how Diego folded. Like, I was watching with Christine, and, sh- and she said that Diego just went Bethesda ragdoll on this one. Because that dude, every <laughs> the light went off, and every muscle in his body just relaxed, and the dude crumbled down hard. And I, I think I was watching, like you even mentioned, Bob, uh, Luke Thomas talk about it. And he, he mentioned that these knockouts reminded him a lot of Chuck Liddell. And it, that, that is a scary place. When, when you're at the vulnerability of when you just get touched, and I don't know if, if he's at that place because – that was a beautiful, yeah. hard elbow for Matt Brown. So it's not like he just got tagged with a little pitter-patter and the lights got turned off. But and, and, and Bobby, to your original question, you know, does he need to fight lesser competition? I mean, I kind of consider Matt Brown to be somewhat of lesser competition. He's not really a title contender. He's not someone that really kills people. Uh, and in this fight, Diego had moments. I mean, that liver kick, I was like, oh, I picked this fight wrong. I forgot this dude has a a glass rib. But Matt Brown was still able to get – and he was still able to finish the fight. I think it's because, you know, Diego's taken a lot of tough wars. So, I don't know. I mean, in the back of my head when I was watching this fight and after it, I was like, man, Diego would be kind of a monster in Bellator, like you said, Bobby, where the competition maybe isn't quite at the level that we see consistently at the UFC. Oh, sorry, what? What? Uh, huh? <laughs> but I, I'd love to see. I, I mean, I, if he does want to continue, yeah, fighting lesser competition. I think fall, fighting for a smaller organization that they're able to kind of build him up a little bit and not throw him against, you know, really tough guys. I don't know. You know, Diego has been around. He's not, like you said, he's 35, Bob. So he's not like ancient, but it's really this kid I mean, starting. He's, he's fighting. He's, he's also fighting a guy. I mean, age is not. I mean, that's, he's got 40 fights. And. I'm just going to assume he bled in 40 of them. Um, he, you know, that's the guy he was fighting was, I was retiring and he was fighting. He's from ultimate fighter seven. Then Diego's from ultimate fighter one. Just saying. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's I mean, Diego came on really young though, to, to be fair. Like this is a kid that started at 18. He was making waves. Uh, so he, he's probably been in the sport longer than 35, which is just because, I mean, we have a lot of 35 year old MMA fighters that, they're not really even thinking about retiring yet, you know, especially when you look in the heavyweight division, you know, not until dudes start peaking past 40 do they even start whispering about, you know, hanging it up. But yeah, I mean, Bobby, I would agree. If he's not a top echelon guy, I think he needs to go back to the drawing board and kind of reassess what are my goals in this sport, really? Because I don't think title contention is really a realistic one at this point. So if it is to get, you know, do a mad grab for cash in the next two years, get as many high-profile, high-paying fights that aren't super dangerous. I, I, I just, I don't, and, and for me as a fan, he doesn't have anything to give in the UFC anymore. Like I said, he's not in title contention. I don't see him getting back into it. So I think getting out of a fresh start in Bellator with some fresh matchups might be interesting, might, might kind of revitalize the career. At least it'd get me interested in seeing Diego. I, I think it's just time for BJ Penn versus Diego Sanchez too. Let's just book that thing. I mean, yeah, that's a possibility, I guess, because they're so old. You keep throwing out Bellator, but it's like Diego Sanchez versus the Pitbull brothers. Are you excited about that? No, it's more it's more Diego's first fight against some guy we don't really know. And then he loses to him. And they're like, oh, boy, this is not a good move. I don't I mean, it's tough. We know this from the beginning with Diego. This wasn't going to end well. Like, come on now. Yeah. This was not going to end well. 
But the thing is, I mean, it, it's it's tough for us to like, oh, say he should hang it up or go to fight lesser people because we're we're big Diego Sanchez fans, and he's he's a terrific character. He has great charisma. We'll always remember. What was it? The BJ fight? What fight did he come out with the cross? Because that was Ellen, awesome. Ellenberger yeah. who came out with the Jesus cross. Yeah, I mean, the dude's just a character. I mean, Diego. He... I mean, Diego also started going up. Diego did the yes chant first, and then professional wrestle, wrestler Brian Danielson took it and became a millionaire because of it. Diego did that shit, right? Yeah, he's a great <laughs> character. Daniel Bryan. Hey yeah. man, I, I'm 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 going indie as fuck here. He's Brian Danielson. <laughs> But but at the end of the day, yeah, I, I hope Diego finds a good place for himself. But it's hard because you can tell with Diego, he's a fighter's fighter. Like, this isn't a guy who's thinking about, oh, I'm going to transition into being, like, a coach and a teacher. I mean, he could if he wanted to. But he's just the guy, like, he loves being in that cage. He loves that spotlight. You can just tell when he's fighting. He loves every moment of it. And it's those guys that have the hardest time hanging it up because they'll even hang it up for a year and be like, I got, I got to get back in there. I know I could still do it. And he has that, he has that kind of not ego, but the self-confidence kind of to, I think when this dude's 45, he's going to be like, he's kind of like a Ken Shamrock. He's like, I know I got knocked out a bunch. I can still do it. I know inside myself, I can still compete. Even though the body's deteriorating, the mind is so strong in this kid that he will, I don't think he'll ever give up. So you want to keep him safe. You want to make sure he doesn't have a lot of fights that end like this one. Dick Sills rough. All right. Um, talk about these other fights. Um, Mike, I was hoping you'd watch this. Stefan, Andre Arlovsky, Junior Albini went out there and fought. And I can't tell you what happened because something about Mr. Junior, Mr. Albini was real distracting. Um, yeah, the story on Junior Albini is his nickname is Baby, and he wanted to live it up. So uh, he rolled up. <laughs> is that true? Is that true? He yeah, was wearing he, a diaper, it looked like. He intentionally <laughs> rolled his shorts up to make it look like a big, saggy white diaper he was wearing. Okay, because it did look like a diaper. I mentioned it to Christine. I was like, this looks like a diaper. This is a horrible choice. I honestly just thought, like, he thought he ordered the short compression shorts, <laughs> and he got the baggy shorts, and he's like, eh, no, no, I can yeah, make this I work. thought that, too, but then I'm like, wait, his name is rolled up in there. He did this on purpose. Like he I, I noticed that too. Like his, like he didn't get the right shorts. I didn't know his nickname was Big Baby. No, just Baby. <laughs> it's Baby. I mean, it should be Big Baby because I mean, look at this dude. Dude, um, this guy was like two weight classes off from where he should have been fighting, right? Yeah. Like at least, I mean, at least he's leaning into it. That's kind of cool. Um, overall in the fight, I, I don't want to hawk. I mean, I know we've been talking a long time for a card that maybe isn't worthy of this much time and attention, but I was kind of disappointed with Andre Orlovsky. I mean, he had a good fight here. He still showed that. He's still sharp and he could win fights, but the way Junior would get into basically the pocket and not throw anything and let Andre throw a couple punches, I was just like, Andre, with commitment and conviction, throw that goddamn uppercut because this dude's begging yeah, for I mean, it. The, 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 junior kind of stopped throwing punches, I don't know, for five minutes in? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, it, he had some moments when like Orlowski would blast him to the body, then he'd throw like a heavy left hook and actually try, but... Yeah, that's kind of disappointing. But Andre looks good. You know, he had his punches were still kind of on point. I think if he I mean, really, he, needed, he just needed that W, really, right? He needed that W. He was active. He was, you know, he was going after it. But I just look at this file. I was like, man, the Andre that was tearing it up a couple of years ago would have ate this guy alive. And he just got a decision here, but he still looked good. So what are you gonna do? I was totally happy to give Mark my uh, analysis time there because for me that was 15 minutes and one of those grainy old slides where it just says scene missing. It was just 15 minutes, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I mean, a, a fight uh, occurred. The entirety sure. of the, all the Twitter comments were just like, 
prop we're giving props to Anik and Paul Felder just because like they weren't mentioning it. And it was like everybody was like, man, it's really impressive they can call this fight and not point out the giant elephant wearing a diaper in the room, basically. <laughs> um Cesar Ferrara, Nate Marquardt, I honestly don't remember what happened. Apparently it was bad fight, but Marquardt had flurries in the end of rounds. Is what happened. Like, there was a knockdown. There was, like, a big cut at the end of the third round. I mean, it was a lot of too little too late for Nate Marquardt. There's one of those fights where I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, I think we all agreed that Cesar Ferrara wasn't what we wanted him to be, like, two years ago at least. Right, Steph? Uh, yeah, but he's calling out uh, the guy who hung out with Vitor because he don't like him talking smack. And, um, uh, watch out for uh, whoever's, uh, whoever's, cable, whoever's cable sitting there, Mike. Watch out. What is it? Uh, Barachino? What's his new name? Costa? Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa. Yeah. I, I just like him calling out that guy. It's relevant. It was a decent call out, but what a whatever fight. You know, they're. Ferrara is a guy who will fight when they're in Brazil, most likely. That's just. Who I, I just wanted to say one, one takeaway from the fight is I think a lot of us, including myself, kind of thought Nate didn't have a lot left in the tank. And he showed he had a little bit left. He was competitive in this fight. He dropped uh, Ferrara once in the fight. It was close. And it showed to me, like, this guy still got it. Like, I don't know how many losses he's coming off of, probably like three or four at this point. Like, it's not looking good. But he showed in that fight, like, he wasn't just collecting a paycheck. He was trying. He legitimately tried to get this fight. He just didn't have it in him. I think he could beat that Russian guy that Bobby likes in Bellator, whose loss was so bad we thought he threw the fight. I'm blanking on uh, his name. Shlomenko? Shlomenko. I, I, I think Nate Marquardt could beat Shlomenko. Um, yeah, probably. Rafael, Rafael Asuncao went out there. And reminded everybody that he beat the goddamn champion of this weight class and did so emphatically where, by the way, this man has won uh, nine of uh, 10 of 11 fights. And in the middle there, he beat and lost to TJ Dillashaw. Um, Marcus, he looked excellent. And that finishing, um, was it a... Did he throw the hook or was it the uppercut? Where like I thought it was a right overhand. I'm not totally he, sure. He killed that kid. Like it I mean, yeah, he, like, he I was liked, winning easily, and he just still finished him. Yeah, what I liked in this fight is the Sun Sal looked just solid as fuck. Like his stand up was just on point. His inside low kick were, were destroying uh, Matthew Lopez, and and what I what I want to give credit to uh, Lopez too, because I think going into this fight, we just looked at it and it was like, oh, it's a Sun Sal versus X. Like who cares who this kid is? He's gonna get chewed up. Basically, did, but I did see them. Uh, I guess Matthew Lopez is like a good wrestler. And he was able to get a Sun Sao down a couple of times. So he, it's someone to kind of keep an eye on. This guy, this kid does have a skill set, but a Sun Sao was just chewing up that inside leg. Those kicks were so hard. And then to really put it, you know, to tie it in a nice, nice bow to get, I mean, it wasn't just a knockout punch. Like it was like, it was Diego Sanchez folding style, like the way Matthew Lopez fell. And then again, a Sun Sao, uh, a great sportsman because he came to hammer fist the fuck out of that kid's oh, yeah. face. And he thought he was out and he pulled up on the punch. Dan Henderson didn't pull up. Dan Henderson said, I'm going to jump on this motherfucker and make it a logo. Uh, but yeah, Sun Sal, he had I'm a lot of restraint. Make it a logo. <laughs> yeah. well, he showed some restraint because, I mean, you, you, when you're in the cage, I mean, it's just kill, kill, kill. And when you see a guy go down, you don't know if he's fully out. You got to, you know, put the exclamation point on. But to, to have that fist right about to drop and be like, oh, no, this kid is done. I'm about to do some bad damage to him. And to pull up, it, it shows some, some I mean, sports. In a world where people only talk about Jimmy Rivera and Dominic Cruz, Asuncao needed to do something for us to remember him. Yeah, it, it, good point, Bobby. He needed to really kind of put a stand. Because I think one of the things is, like he's like you said, Bobby, what, like 10 of 11 fights he's won. He's beaten and lost to the champion. 
He had a close fight with, was it Marlon Moraes was his last yeah. victory? Like, he's just a guy that is just, like, constantly getting those Ws, and no one gives a shit, you know? Like, everyone's kind of written him off and forgotten about him. He needed that emphatic, like, I am here, I'm a fucking threat, and take me seriously. And that's what he got in this fight with that big KO. Um, also, big win here for Clay Guida, where I didn't know it was possible for Clay Guida to knock a man out. But he Joe Lozon was done fighting when he got dropped. Like, he was done. And it was just Joe Lozon being a bad motherfucker and running off instinct that he was able to defend as long as he did, kind of. He was done. Clay Guida, I don't think I've ever seen Clay Guida knock anybody out. I would I would say it was also part of Clay Guida's bad shot choices trying to finish the fight. Yeah. I don't know why he's like, time for some big hammer fists right yeah. now. He kept trying these hammer fists that were not working. He eventually got into side, uh, like kind of like a side mount kind of cradle position and just laid in two fucking horrible elbows mm. To Joe uh, Lozano, the ref's like, I've seen enough. This dude's bust up. <laughs> I mean, it's a great win for Clay, but I, I feel like can we say this says more about Lozano than it does about Clay? Yeah, I think Joe's a smart guy, and I think he's realizing this is, you know, that maybe one or two more at most. So, uh, it's a bummer to see that one go. That's a, another guy who made it through the tough ranks. A part of my favorite season of tough ever. The, uh, yeah, that's my favorite old, also. The good old raise your hand episode if you want to be on uh, Jen Pulver's that, team. That, that's honestly, we just, I mean, we already, that should have been one of our uh, members of a fight fan. What's your favorite season of Tough? And we all would have said, Mike would have defended Kimbo. Mike would have gone Kimbo and, and uh, with Rampage and Rashad, I think, because everyone after that wasn't good. Um, and then I think I would have gone with Tough Five. Tough Four is good this, too, though. This heavyweight stubbed his toe. Is Kimbo coming back? Do you remember somebody actually got hurt and then they covered? They, they cut to Kimbo and Kimbo was just like, "Am I fighting?" Like his hands were up, like I'm gonna fight. Um, uh, just just to go back though, you got to give Clay quite a, uh, credit though, and probably Team Alpha Male. Like hands look better. They had a Dude, really threw, good night. He 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 threw he threw with conviction and th that big overhand right. Like dude meant it. And Clay, his standup has usually been jabs and right straights basically bum rushing into takedowns to actually see him like i'm gonna sit down and put some weight behind these punches and to see the result of that be a nice tko win hopefully we kind of see a new wrinkle in a fighter that we kind of thought might have been a one-trick pony at this point um tatiana suarez oh let me talk about marlon marlon Moraes got a really close victory over john dodson where i could have gone either way in my opinion but marlon Moraes did the smart thing after his fight where he called out jimmy rivera who now is without an opponent because Dominic Cruz broke his arm, and Marlon Moraes trying to jump ahead of the guy he lost to, Rafael Asuncao. Smart move. We'll see if it pays off. I told you guys to watch out for Tatiana Suarez. That's because she is a beast. Just put on a grappling clinic against Vivian Pereira. Pereira is so undersized for this weight class, and she's taking on a girl who should have been in the Olympics. Um, actually, she was. it was at the Olympics where she hurt her neck. And then they did a CT scan on her, and they found that she had thyroid, uh, thyroid cancer. So she didn't get to go. She didn't get to go to the Olympics, of course. She's awesome. She won the season of Tough they did a year or two ago. She's uh, I think there's some big stuff coming from her. Sage North. Can Carlo I take it that she's recovered from thyroid? Yeah, cancer? she is. Yeah, she's good now. She uh, Sage Northcutt has never looked as good as he did in this fight. His hands look great. His takedown looked good. His defense looked good. Basically, a lot of there was a, there was a portion of this card where we were just praising Team Alpha Male. At this Can point. you tell me who he fought? That's the thing. He never looked as good against the other bums, though. So, um, and Nina Ansaroff, I kind of wish I had the guts to have picked her last week, but uh, she went out there and got a 
Got a close win over um, Angela Hill. Nina's uh, real good. You know, she doesn't get a lot of attention. She's kind of the um, the second act in her household of uh, being engaged or married to Amanda Nunes. Um, nobody here has fight pass, but we feel bad, all of us, that Court McGee lost. Um, all right. Uh, fight news. Now, Mike. So, GSP and Bisping fight a couple weeks ago. Bisping gets dropped twice and gets choked unconscious. Anderson Silva test positive. They say they need an opponent for Kelvin Gastelum in what will be three weeks after uh, that fight with Bisping and GSP. And they land on Bisping. Uh, I'm excited. I think I think it'd be a good fight, man. But uh, man got his brain scrambled twice at least in that fight. But not too much. And just had a weight cut. He's a big dude, man. Has cut weight all over again. Well, off I mean, of a loss, has a guy not, fought that? It's not all over again. He just had a fight last week, so his weight is still kind of down. Okay, I don't know. I just look. I'm. I think it's gonna be a good fight. But when we're all talking, everybody's like, I don't know. I mean, he's going to China to fight. Who's checking to see if he's okay? If this is a good idea. Yeah, isn't there like an Ollie act and shit? He put in place for stuff just I mean, like he this. wanted it. He said he wants it. I mean, Michael Bisping, by the way, today but also isn't there announced medical suspensions. He is. He's a doctor could check him out. I'm like, well, who's the doctor work for? Who's the commission when they go to China? Yeah, because I mean, I, 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 I'm with you, Bob. Like, dude, I Look, mean, if Kevin Gastelum knocks him out in a minute. I'm gonna wonder what the fuck. You know what I mean? Well, like, I mean, you can look at his record and be like, oh, he got su submitted in his last fight. I was like, yeah, but he got fucking domed all over the place. He got yeah. submitted because the dude was basically dumbstruck and he gave his back up to a dude who's going to fucking rear naked choke you. Like, dude was not in the clear because not only did he get dropped, like, you remember that fight? Dude was getting domed yeah, on with getting, elbows for like five yeah. It was probably like 45 seconds of GSP just like doming, 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 doming. And then the you know, and then he finally gets up and gets choked. I, I thought this was dumb. I literally, I did think I was like, isn't there the Ali Act? But didn't they specifically make that? There's no Ali dudes? Act. Well, Ali Act is more like about like you gotta like follow the rankings and the promoter can't abuse you. No, he. I this is Michael Bisping. I bet Michael Bisping volunteered. I bet Michael Bisping. Oh, was I like, have no doubt that. Michael, Michael, Bisping, Michael Bisping said he's gonna fight his last his last career fight is gonna be in March in London. So Michael Bisping, being the father of three children and pay, trying to pay California. Property tax and all that shit. Sale and, and income tax and stuff. Okay, whatever that noise is. That might Thank be you. me eating pistachios. That's my What bad. the f I mean, they're delicious. This body. is like episode 260, man. And this is the Still first time I'm eating pistachios. Oh, God Have I ever eaten pistachios before? Okay. Oh, just once you get some so Doritos. Why don't you stop? Start crunching Doritos. Did I already open this one? All right, now I'm done. Okay, thank you. Um, Michael Bisping has to pay for these kids and their college. Michael Bisping's thinking, I can get two paychecks in on the way out the door. Or is That's he thinking, what... you know what? I don't want to deal with having to pay for this shit. I might as well die in the octagon within the next <laughs> six months. No, think about it, man. He's like, he probably already knew March is the UFC fight in London. That's a wrap for me. Now he's like, I can get paid twice. Look, again, I mean, Michael Bisping will fight anybody. All right? I just look. I, I know I like this is MMA and it's it's violent and everybody gets hurt, but like, I, maybe we don't lean into it so much. Uh, I but think. I mean, maybe it's not the smartest move because GSP is a great fighter. But when you think of GSP, you don't think, man, I can get hurt in this fight. He did though. He was getting his. He's but getting, that's what I'm saying. He still got hurt like, in that fight. Kelvin Gaston can legitimately hurt this dude. 
Kelvin, Ga- I'm telling you, if Kelvin Gastelum goes out there and knocks out Diego Sanchez in the first. I mean, knocks out Diego Sanchez, knocks out uh, Michael Bisping in like a minute. That's a possibility that exists anyway, because Kelvin Gastelum's a very good fighter. But again, the dude just got like, as Mark put it, domed on. I don't know. I mean, I was already inclined to pick Kelvin against Anderson, to be honest. Yeah, I'm definitely. Mean, I'm definitely a heavy lean on uh, him over Bisping. I mean, if I'm Michael Bisping, I start using some offensive wrestling here. Come on now. Fly your ass all the way to China. You just got knocked out in front of the world. He's a good wrestler. Kelvin is too, though. Well, Kelvin's undersized, so. Yeah, Kelvin uh, perpetually, he performs so well at middleweight, and his post-fight is always about how he wants to cut back down. He only lost to Weidman, and Weidman's huge and really good. But, yeah. yeah. Funny how he's Bisping wants to fight another underweight wrestler. <laughs> that went so well for him in his last fight. I think, that, I mean, if they want to give him, if he's going to retire in March, we got to think of a good opponent for him that isn't Luke Rockhold because I don't think even getting his ass beat in London is going to be fun for anybody except for Luke Rockhold. <laughs> um, all right. Um, also, some news that happened this week. Uh, we got ourselves a tournament in Bellator. Now, if you're following the It's I'm Amazing Twitter account, which I know you all are, you'll know that me and DJ Mark were at a, a press conference after Bellator's Michael Chandler versus... Uh, who the fuck was it? Benson Henderson fight. And Scott Coker's up there talking about what he's going to do with the heavyweights. And I'm saying, I'm tweeting like, Scott Coker's talking like there's going to be a heavyweight tournament. There's a heavyweight tournament coming. Well, here it is. Um, Marcus, as I told you, the world heavyweight, the definition of world he- word heavyweight is being used a little bit loose here, given who's on this card. We got uh, this eight-man tournament. We got Roy Nelson, Fedor Emelianenko, Frank Mir, Matt Mitrione. Those are four heavyweights. And this is where we get to the light heavyweight portion of this. Quentin Jackson, uh, Ryan Bader, and King Muhammad Lawal. And now we're entering the middleweight portion of this tournament. Chael Sonnen. All right. Stefan, who are we picking in this one? Uh, if there's anything I've learned about a Scott Coker run tournament, Grant slash Grand P, I am picking the field. We, we literally I, talked about I it. I have mystery entrant <laughs> who comes in for a drug or injury replacement that wins the field. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna tell you the I'm gonna tell you the mystery replacement after we're done talking a little bit about the tournament. But literally, I remember this like years ago. You and me are just talking like we saw the odds. We're like, the field is gonna win this tournament. This isn't gonna end smoothly. This is strike force. We could have been it's so like, rich. Did you really want to put in my odds? Over? I'm putting my odds on the hardcore kid, Emmanuel Newton. He's not even in the tournament. Oh, I see what you're saying. Exactly. Oh, see, no. Okay, well, let's just talk about who the. Okay. Um. Uh, WWE former WWE wrestler uh, known as Jack Swagger, um, he just signed with Bellator, and um, his name is his uh, his shoot name is uh, Jake Hagar, who was an excellent, excellent amateur wrestler um, in college. Isn't he a final uh, fight? That's another. That's that's a, that's the spell that's differently. Mike. Mike. No. Hager. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> it is Mike Hagar. Um. But yeah, um, J- uh, Mr. Uh, Hager's got a, a pretty illustrious college career, um, and uh, he's from Oklahoma or fought. I think he was wrestling in Oklahoma or something. And if you know anything about professional wrestling, that means you get a visit from good old Jr. and he convinces you to be a pro wrestler. So now he wants to fight. So he said he's going to try to fight twice in Bellator in 2018. So he's going to be your Bellator heavyweight champion when this is all said and done. Um, so Quentin Jackson today uh, on MMA Hour. Uh, mentioned that uh, 
I mean, this is, let's just give us a good Rampage quote here. I didn't even know about the damn tournament, to be honest, until I re-signed my agreement. Yeah, then I see all over the damn social media, it's a damn tournament. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go with this shit. But you know, I don't care, I'm a fighter. I mean, you do care. Um, he also said he doesn't want to fight Fedor, um, which, let me Why tell not? you, if we're not booking Chael versus Fedor, what's the point of this thing, right? That's, that's, that's what I'm here to see. What Mark, I'm here to see Chael say nonsense against Fedor and Fedor just smirk at him while wearing a sweater. What are you talking about, Bobby? The GOP and Russians, they're on the same side now. Chael <laughs> is not fighting Fedor. That man, the picture they used for Frank Mir is pretty clear. They used uh, just he's beat up. It looks like a, someone just had a picture of a, a Frank Mir post fight. Well, do you remember when Frank Mir used to do a lot more commentary stuff for the UFC? Why is it like every countdown he was a part of, he always had like an inflated black eye, even if he wasn't <laughs> fighting? Like even if he was just a commentary guy. Well, I mean, he, he literally had a black eye. he lives in Vegas. You couldn't wait for Frank and like to let this thing, you know, to let the swelling go down or something. Um, Marcus, uh, heavyweight tournaments is what, uh, Scott Coker likes himself a tournament. Um, jokes aside, he put all of the guys that people know the name of in this thing, north of 185 pounds, except, uh, Phil Davis, right? I mean, we do what you gotta do. Yeah. Hmm. Jokes aside, I was going to say, we knew about this tournament for so long because he was waiting to get heavyweights. And at this point, (laughs) it's like, fuck it. Let's just throw the guys (laughs) with name value in there. But I mean, tournaments are fun. I, I generally do like a tournament. It builds a lot of storylines. It kind of it'll make a bunch of interesting matchups potentially between this hodgepodge of heavy, light heavyweight and one guy who fiddled between middleweight and light heavyweight. But even that being said, I think like the clear frontrunner is probably like Matt Matrione or Roy Nelson, but not so much so that I'm like Jackson might be able to pull this off. <laughs> before. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, like, someone you don't really I'm, I'm, Honestly, I got Ryan Bader. Shit here. I think I got Ryan Bader right now looking at it. Oh, like, is, Bader, is Bader? I thought because he was the champion. I thought Davis yeah, was in it or no, something. He's in. Brian Bader's a champion and he's For, in this. Ryan Bader he, could be a heavyweight. And, okay, yeah, he's the front runner. Ryan Bader's fighting as well as he's ever fought, basically, right yeah, now. Yeah, he's if, looking great. If there's any possibility that Rampage has a fight a second time in one night, you know he's not showing up for the second fight. Okay. You know he, he doesn't even come out. Wait, by uh, show up, do you mean like he doesn't fight well, or do you just literally mean he doesn't I show mean, up? I mean, like, he's like, no, I didn't agree to the second fight, and he just leaves. <laughs> and that's when the field comes in, and Pat Barry off the street. No, nah, man, that's when... Not me, Eunice hype. That's when you're hitting that uh, Jack Swagger music, that Un-Americans music, as his he has, you know, We the People, that whole Tea Party gimmick, or whatever the hell it was. That's just when that's when Jack Swagger rolls in, hits whatever his finish was. He wasn't that good, guys. Or I wasn't watching one of the two. Uh, <laughs> and becomes Bellator champion. They haven't had a heavyweight champion since, honestly, since uh, that night we were there, Mark. Because they at, we got there and they said that they stripped Will Brooks of the lightweight. Or they they were stripped. No, they stripped somebody else. And they they also stripped the heavyweight champion that day. We're just like, oh, okay, that's we have two less champions. <laughs> Yeah, they Where? haven't had a champion for a while, and they haven't cared about it too much either. Yeah. Where is Czech Congo? Being kept the fuck away from this, man. We can't right. keep that ruse going anymore. <laughs> Czech Congo, folks. Czech Congo was basically Francis Ngannou for a while there, man. Just this black this, this, this black French dude beating the shit out of everybody while being super yoked. And then one day, Czech Congo decided it's way easier to hold people against the cage and nut them. 
I, I, I don't like that comparison at all because Ngannou hasn't inadvertently nutted someone in every single one of his fights. I think we saw the heel turn when, back at UFC 92 when Czech still wasn't a nut, you know, a nutshot kind of guy. But then Mustafa Al-Turk hit, hit Czech right in the nuts. And then Czech immediately kicked him in the nuts. And then when Mustafa Al-Turk took him down, Czech just beat the shit out of him with elbows till he was bleeding profusely. That was the heel turn. <laughs> It's always, it's always funny when you think of someone getting kicked in the balls. There was that one. Do you remember that one heavyweight title fight? Uh, I believe I was watching with Mark and Steph where it was this. Who were those three dudes, the two dudes who kept fighting over and over again for Bellator's championship? Because oh, it kept getting remember. canceled. It's like the big fat white guy and the big, like, was it Brazilian guy? Yeah, it was like a Brazilian guy. And there was a couple nut shots. That was just blatant. <laughs> like, that dude is just Well, one up. of them, like, he, like, he axe kicked the guy in the nuts. Yeah, it was that straight up pro wrestling move where they're on the ground and you pick up their legs and just step on their dick. Like, it was straight up pro wrestling stuff. Like, I was, there was, it was, was no. I remember laughing. Oh, it was Prindle. Fucking Prindle. And who was the other one? It was Prindle and. Uh... Oh, fuck. Someone got right in the nuts. Silva something, but. Oh, Tiago Santos. It was Pringle. Pr- I just remember, like, pr- the guy just got stomped on his nuts. And I was cry- I was laughing so hard, I almost started crying. I just couldn't believe that's what happened. Um, yeah, I'm still, like, 12 years old. Nut shots are hilarious, folks. So, yeah, Bellator's doing a tournament. Um, wh- they- I don't know where they said it was going to start, but. In well, other Bellator news, uh, I think this is Steph's girl, uh, Mackenzie Dern, has just signed with Bellator. That's she signed with Invicta, man, and she's under right, UFC con. And she signed under she's already, she's already under UFC contract too. <laughs> that might be Bobby's girl. One of my girls was in the news. I sent a Bobby, uh, Angela Lee. Hopefully, she gets better quickly. She was involved in a uh, really gnarly car accident. She fell asleep at the wheel. Her car rolled three times. Um, she came away only with bruises. Um, having man. inadvertently fallen asleep at the wheel of a car before. There's a lot of dangerous, bad places that can go. Having uh, having rolled a vehicle seven times. Yeah. Was that, uh, be- was that because <laughs> you were asleep, though? No, I did it because I was swerving out of the way of shit. And then I overcorrected. Long story I, short. I almost <laughs> fell asleep on uh, when I was driving on the highway once. Those um those bumps, what are those bumps called on the side of the road? Oh, like, the, 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 for the, like between the lanes and stuff to keep you... No, 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 like, all, like on, on the, the shoulder. Side. Yeah, they make a loud noise so you wake up. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that shit woke me the fuck up. <laughs> and then I, then I went to a rest stop and actually rested for like three hours. Probably for the best. That's right, kids. You should always do that. Never um, try to push it. I actually do have a little quick uh, MMA news as well because I know no one else is watching it. We used to call this the Tough Minute. I am watching the current season of Tough because there is a new women's belt being fought for. And fucking hats off to fucking, uh, what's her name? Why am I blanking now? Roxanne. Uh, Roxanne, the happy uh, happy samurai. She is in the semifinals winning a fight due to ground and pound. Like, Roxy is the number one seed in this. And every time I, I, I kind of laugh at it, when I see her, I, I remember how bad she was. And all she keeps saying is, I just want to show people I don't suck anymore. Like, anyone who wants me on tough, please try watching me again. I'm better now. And she is. Uh, she's been getting stoppages in this. She's in the semifinals now. Um, it's, uh, another making a run was their number 12 seed, Sajara Eubanks, I think her name is. And I saw her in Invicta before. She was really raw, 
but um, she's been doing great things. She had a beautiful head kick knockout to send herself into the semifinals. So, um, yeah, the season's pretty fun. You got a belt on the line. You have a new division. I'm wanting to get to know these uh, ladies. I think they're some interesting fighters here. But, um, yeah, Roxanne doing big things. Roxanne got good, man. Like, actually good. She, like, moved, she moved back to the States and uh, hooked up with um, Syndicate MMA. I mean, not that I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if she wasn't taking her shit seriously before, but she's like, she looks in better shape and she's gotten much better everywhere, it looks like, to be honest. Well, it would be really great if she were to become a UFC champion. That would be uh, quite a treat. I mean, Jermaine Durandamy was a UFC champion. People thought we were going to forget about that shit. Jermaine Durandamy, UFC champion. No defenses. Won by a bunch of strikes after the bell. God, that was wonderful. That was Stefan was so happy. I remember that. Stefan was just like, this is peak schadenfreude. <laughs> this is as bad as it could get. I, it just should have been a draw. That's mm-hmm. really, that's the cherry on top that was missing from that fight. Should have been a draw. Um. All right. Um. right. Let's do um memoirs of a fight fan Um. before we do stuff we like. Um. This week's thing is, um. what is your favorite submission? Your favorite slash bet? Oh. Okay, what is your favorite submission of all time, and what was the best submission you've ever seen? Okay, so your favorite submission as in just generally? Which one do you like in any fight you've seen? I'll, I'll go first. You might get an idea, okay? My favorite of all time was um, Anderson Silva with a triangle arm bar on Chael Sonnen at UFC 117 because that shit, uh, I didn't see that coming. That blew my, like We just started yelling. It was amazing. And then um, the my, the best I've ever seen was that shit Mighty Mouse did. I never seen anything like that before in my life. The the whatever they're calling it, the mouse trap. We're gonna call it the mouse trap, Mighty Mouse. I don't care if you have another move called the mouse trap. We'll call that, you know, the super mouse trap or some shit. Yeah, that uh, the, the the half German suplex into the armbar while the guy's still landing was amazing. That one was cool for me. My favorite has to be. Triangle choke, uh, Takanori Gomi, along with Nate Diaz, just flexing as well while he's got that shit. That was like two different submissions. Yeah, you, like, I was gonna say into one. that was that was Kurt Pellegrino. Yeah, Nate Nate triangled Kurt Pellegrino and flexed and gave the double fingers. Nate got a Uma Plata, which is an even crazier submission. It's basically unfucking heard of. I don't think he flexed. No, that no, was, no, he got an he got he got an arm bar on Gomi. He got an arm bar on Gomi. Nick got a Gobo Plata on Gomi. You got like there's like three fights you got merging together. Okay. Oh wait, you're not talking about Nick. It's the triangle against Pellegrino where he flexed on him. Okay, now that's your favorite of all time. Do you have the one that you think is the best? I mean, it could be that one too, but it probably has to be the Twister. Oh by yeah, a Korean Zombie. That was a few years ago now. Oh, uh, you son of a bitch. You stole my pick. Look, I'll be honest. Everybody was going to say <laughs> Twister or fucking the mousetrap thing, man. It was That was the likely answer. for. Well, I, I don't want to steal another one from uh, from Steph, but um, I'll just not say it then. There we go. <laughs> How about that? Um, Marcus, what do you got, brother? Uh, yeah, so my favorite one was probably um, when Nate got Connor. And that was just a more like I, I have such a love hate relationship with Connor, but he keeps fighting the guys I like, and then he like styles on them and talks shit about them. And Nate was the one guy who his shit talk didn't work, 
<laughs> and I really wanted, and he was getting, he was getting bust up a little bit. And I really just wanted Connor to eat his words. And it was so great when, when he shot that takedown, I was like, Oh yes, you stupid fuck. You're about to get <laughs> all kinds of shit right now. Do you know what Marcus Arab before you go to your, um, the best one, Arab, you watching it with you that reminded of when we watched rampage versus Chuck too, where it wasn't like you had any malice towards Chuck Liddell, but you were really just like, I think you were just more like people don't know. People don't know about Rampage. And I, th I felt the same way you were watching Nate versus Connor, where you're like, people don't know. All these people don't know. Like, that's what I felt like. You just felt like, fuck the mainstream both times. <laughs> yeah. I think mean, there's definitely some similarities <laughs> from both of them. Um, for best submission, I mean, it's tough. And I feel like I'm going to this one just because every time we do this, uh, memories of a MMA fan or whatever, I always, it always goes, it's got to go back to Genki Sudo. It just has to. Mark, and, you're here to give me pride, basically. You're here for pride. Yeah, I mean, it's really, every time it goes like, what's your favorite anything? It's like, what happened in Pride yeah. or Pancrase yeah. or Shuto <laughs> that I thought was really cool? And uh, Genki's craziest submission, it's the big spin. Who the fuck does a big spin into an Achilles lock is insane. Against Nate Marquardt, who's still fighting, and at the time was a fucking beast in, in Pancrase. I mean, we're talking about a guy who who got the king of Pancrase, that organization. And, I mean, like you said, Bobby Mousetrap, no one's – I'd never, never seen a submission quite like that. The Twister, never seen it in MMA. Uh, Uma Plata's, again, never really seen that often utilized in a, a mixed martial arts condition. I've never seen anyone else do a big – it had to take Cesaro in pro wrestling to do it. And he does it even worse because he, he just drops the fucker. <laughs> Genki gets you, he gets you confused, and then he and then he Achilles locks you. That's a really cool submission. Definitely check it out. Um, Genki Sudo, Nate Marquardt, big spin into it. I think I'm pretty sure it was an Achilles lock. Um, Stefan, um, since you guys you guys have named so many good ones, and you know, there's no need for me to hype them up again. So I'm gonna kind of cheat as I go into like a more specific individual one. When it comes to submissions. I appreciate every fighter who go gets so good at one submission that they get known for that submission. Whether it's Ronda and the arm bar or Phil Davis's wonderful wonder bar, his his one armed uh, is it? Uh, his one armed Kimura he's pulled off on multiple occasions. The fact that OSP keeps getting the Von Flu choke, you know, I have such like even dirty ass Paul Harris and never releasing his leg locks, you know. Um, the fact that people can have like a signature maneuver, you know, we talk about it in pro wrestling terms to have a finishing move in MMA is nigh impossible, you know, to get it over and over again. So um, taking, you know, just again, so many good ones have been named, but um, with Ronda, I was always a big fan. There's two in particular that stand out to me because there's something very pro wrestling esque about them. It's either her arm bar against uh, Misha Tate the first time or against um, Sarah, uh, Kaufman? Mark, help me out. Kaufman? Kaufman. Yeah, it's it's the way she chased. She in that fight, it was the way she chased the armbar. She didn't get it at once, but she hunted it. She kept she kept breaking down the legs. She kept rolling her over. You know, it's um, it reminded me of fucking the dabbing Filipino dude in pro wrestling. The way his submission move evolved and it had more levels. You know, so it was like that. And then with Misha, you know, she wasn't tapping. Misha was letting it hyperextend. So Ronda gets it the arm tucked all the way the under the armpit. So now she's torquing it even more. It's not even holding the wrist. It's just when these, like the submission evolves to this like next level grip. And now you're really tearing it apart. It's just next level. Like that's, that's expert master level stuff. So I just have an appreciation for anyone who has that type of skill set. All right. 
Did he just close that whole damn thing? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I meant to mute, but I'm okay, like, Zevon, Zevon did such a good job. I'm he just, like, I'm, I'm, he I'm dropped like, the mic. He just closed the damn program. Um, do you guys remember uh, Marcus Seth when we went to the UFC 117 where Matt Hughes got Henzo Grace, not Henzo Gracie, Ricardo Almeida in that weird like front headlock thing? And then nobody knew it was a submission until Ricardo Almeida was unconscious. I remember thinking that was awesome. Like he's having like a front headlock and all of a sudden he just flexed on him. Literally flexed, I, I thought. And he was just out. <laughs> yeah, I can't I, I can't remember exactly what it looked like, but I, I just remember it worked the same way as the Vaughn flu. Where uh, you don't even necessarily know you're in a choke until it's too late. I guess it was something the Schultz brothers, um, people might know them mostly from the Foxcatcher uh, movie. Where they were, that was one of those things they would pull. It was illegal as shit. You were choking the dude. But they would get a guy in that when they were wrestling on the Olympic teams and stuff. Was it kind of a dragon sleeper? It was kind of like, but the guy was like, no, it was a guy, it was like, it just looked like a headlock. Like you were like starting a guillotine, but then like he draped an arm on. All of a sudden, Ricardo Almeida was unconscious. It was never fully explained because nobody else ever did it because Matt Hughes got that farm boy strength. Matt Hughes, underrated uh, grappler. Is his submission game? Um, yeah, did right. you see that GSP armbar he pulled off? <laughs> that was slick. That was that was that was some crazy. You know what? He got he's got no belt, but Jeremy Horn taught him a lot of goddamn submissions, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I think it's time for stuff we like, unless I'm mistaken. Oh, did we, we should talk about this card that's happening. There was huh? a card. Who cares? It's late. Real quickly, uh, for the card. Refer- uh, just was mentioning. Um, Fabrizio Verdum, Marcin Tabora. Verdum fights are inter- are good, generally. And Tim Means, Bilal Muhammad will be a fun fight. And Dan Kelly is ed- interesting to fight because the man is just taped up so much that you wonder how he's still going at all. So, that's... And Will Brooks is fighting Nick Lenz. Yeah. It, to be fair, it, it's a half-decent card. There's some we're, names we're, here. St- we're still blocked by Will Brooks. So... Yeah. There's some decent names here. There's probably going to be a good amount of fun fights. Usually in the Australian crowd, really, you know, they, they, they really like the sport. It's going to be an active crowd, but not a lot to break down. Not a lot that is really going to have relevance in like, you know, the weight divisions that we're seeing here. So no picks, no need to break down. Yeah. Uh, Tim Means trying to send to that Matt Brown role. Now that Matt Brown's about to go away. You got to get a W here. They send you to Australia to fight Bilal Muhammad. You got to get that W. Um, let's do stuff we like. We're going to end with a discussion of Stranger Things. Um, so we'd kick Mark the fuck out at that point, of course. Um, all right. Um, first off, I bought a Nintendo Switch. I'm real happy. I'm not going to, I mean, I only own Mario and we already talked about Mario, but, um, I was just sitting there with like grinning, like a grinning, like a jackass while playing the system. I couldn't stop smiling. It made me so happy. I can't wait to buy Mario Kart and, you know, Zelda and. I love Nintendo, man. So they did. Re- it's awesome. It's a really cool system. It's, uh, it's yeah. That's all N- I really got Ninten- there. Nintendo and nostalgia. They uh, they bank on it for days. Yeah, I love Mario. Nothing makes me happier. Twenty five years later, me playing video games. Nothing makes me happier than Mario. It's you know, and it's so well done. The game. It's just they did such a great job with it, which the reviews should uh, be a good indication of that. Um. I thought I watched something else and now I don't remember what it was, so fuck it. Uh, just at this point, just hoping that the people I like don't get it, don't, you know, don't turn out to be fucking perverts or abusers. Because fuck, that list is getting long. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week? 
Yeah, I got a bunch of kind of little stuff, nothing super big. Um, I've been streaming a couple different shows on Hulu and then uh, one on VRV, which is Crunchyroll's new streaming service. Um, so, uh, Stefan, remember we talked about this in the past. Um, the third season of Man Seeking Woman just hit Hulu, so I've been catching up on that. Really fun show. I've always been a big fan of that and just how kind of kind of out there and crazy the show gets with their premises um they kind of have a they can do pretty much whatever they want and they take full advantage of that and delve into different kind of storylines and copy different kinds of movies and stuff like that which i always find really entertaining uh another show that we've been watching is venture brothers i think season six is on uh, hulu as well and again another great animated show that kind of like rick and morty is super inconsistent with how quickly they get seasons out so it's always a treat when some new stuff finally hits um and then i've been watching the second season of Harmon quest on vrv um and man it is it's kind of weird if you guys don't know Harmon quest it's uh dan Harmon who did community and um he has his own was it Harmon town is his podcast they play a dungeons and uh dungeons and dragons game on the podcast but the weird thing is, I mean, what makes this season particularly interesting is that he does it with who used to be either his serious girlfriend or now ex-wife. And like the first six episodes, he used to always introduce her as my former better half. And it was just like really like dark, Dan Harmon is a really kind of dark guy and he doesn't hide it super well. So you can tell like it's just kind of a weird scenario that they're still playing this game. I mean, it's not like weird where it's like cringeworthy, but like. When you used to say, like, oh, yeah, my, my better half or my, my former better half, and it's just like, oh, man, like, this is still too fresh and painful for me to be kind of peeping in on your life right here. But still entertaining, fun show with a lot of fun guest stars. Uh, and then when it comes to video games, there's not a ton coming out this week. The big one is Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is kind of getting ripped to shreds on how they're doing microtransactions. And the new thing is how you unlock Luke and Dark Vader, I guess, now – I guess earlier today, it was going to take you like 40 to 80 hours of gameplay to like unlock those two people. And then I guess Reddit had a shitstorm of people downvoting one of the developers. Uh, I don't know what you call the Reddit post. Reddit post, I guess. Comment. Comment. It was, yeah. the, it was the, the most downvoted comment in history. Comment, which is like, which is such an EA thing. Like this shit is not that important. But people will bitch about it. EA two years ago was the worst company in America because they had a bad ending to Mass Effect 3. People are losing their houses. People's lives are destroyed by companies. But you fucked up my Mass Effect 3 ending, so fuck you. You're the worst. Really weird. Really bizarre. Uh, The game, uh, it just reviews just kind of came out uh, this evening. And they're kind of middling. They're around the, the six, seven, eight. Um, but I, 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 Battlefront is just a gorgeous Star Wars game. So if you want to kind of get a Star Wars fix in, you can't have a better visual game than the Battlefront series. And they're doing some cool stuff with this one. There's a campaign in this one. You can play AI bots in this one, which were two things that weren't in the first one that people really hated. But what I kind of want to talk about, kind of wrapping into this whole Ninten- Nintendo uh, nostalgia theme, uh, Bobby helped me snag a Supra boy uh, a couple weeks ago. It's it's easily the most inconvenient portable device I've ever bought in my entire life. Because essentially what it is, is it's a portable Super Nintendo system, which that in and of itself seems really cool. Super Nintendo is a fantastic console to be able to play those games on the go. One is easily achieved now with smartphones. When I got my first smartphone, I got it because our friend Eddie said, look it, I can run a Super Nintendo emulator and play Chrono Trigger on my phone. I was like, well, that's the coolest shit in the world. I have to get a smartphone. And then I realized... 
This thing sucks. There's no controller. I have to touch the screen. <laughs> this is awful. So, th- and I mean, there's a 3DS. You can buy a virtual console. But okay. So, well, and what makes it so inconvenient is that you literally have to have the the uh, Super Nintendo cartridges with you. So, like, if you're going on a trip, you're gonna lug around like five of these bad boys. Basically, fills up a carry on. That being said, I'm surprised at how much fun I'm having with it. Um. The other week, I was able to go back to my mom's house and I dug up my old uh, Super Nintendo cartridges and I had some shit in there I didn't know I had that I was really happy. I've been searching for Super Punch-Out forever um, and I, I didn't know if I had it for sure and I actually did, so that was really cool. Um, and then what getting the Super Nintendo uh, Super Boy and kind of playing that led me into like this other hole I didn't even know existed. I guess, I guess on Etsy... It is kind of a thing now where people make reproduction carts and reproduction games that are really hard and rare to find. So I've been having this crop my butt about playing Chrono Trigger. And it's not just playing Chrono Trigger. I have to play it on Super Nintendo because I have it on DS. I put three hours into it and I'm like, uh, for some reason, I want to play it on this big clunky, clunky, stupid device instead. But Chrono Trigger is an extremely rare and popular game to get a legitimate cart. Just the card itself would cost like sixty to seventy to eighty dollars. On Etsy, there's a dude making reproduction cards. Basically, they make the chip. They have the plastic case. It looks just like a real card for twenty bucks. Um, so I snagged that. And then one of my fa- the first Fire Pro game I ever played was on the Super Nintendo called Fire Pro Premium X. One of the best. And I was able to find a cart on that on Etsy. But what's really cool? That's a Japanese game with these reproduction cards. They can put in patches that basically translate the game. So I have a cart coming that has Fire Pro translated into English, which is fucking awesome. And then looking on there, I just went in a rabbit hole of all these cool Sega CD games and Saturn games that are just fucking insanely expensive that I really wouldn't be logically able to buy. That there's like there's a repurposed uh, disc of Snatcher, which is Hito Kojima's first game before he kind of got into Metal Gear, and it, it's really it's. It's basically his play on like Blade Runner. It's one of those cult classic games that basically only came out on Sega CD. Super hard to find. Some dudes making reproduction discs of it for like thirty bucks on thirty bucks on Etsy. I don't know what the legal ramifications of this are. I don't know how these guys were able to basically resell games they didn't develop or produce um, or publish. I don't know how they're getting away with it necessarily, but I think it's really fucking awesome. Um, I mean, my Chrono Trigger cart isn't anything special but some of these repurpose like they redo the box they read they actually on the disc they did all the artwork on the disc and stuff there's just a lot of like they people take a lot of care to repurpose this stuff and i think it's really cool because it's dumb this is a really stupid thing that i kind of like get upset about because it's not important at all but like when we see all these tragedy tragedies happen and everyone loses all their stuff sometimes in my stupid geek mind i'm like Man, I bet some good games were lost in that fucking flood that we're not going to get back. You know, some are, you know, there's some sweet arcade place that has had a storage unit that was just fucking done now. And all these classic arcade things and comics and all that stupid shit um, just gets destroyed in these things. And I think it's really cool that, like, these guys are like, no, I can make a Super Nintendo cart that looks exactly like the, uh, the ones of old and plays just as good, if not better um it, they're being sold out there i think that's really cool so i've kind of gone in, into that stuff and that's what i like this week maybe you will too i like that um mike what do you got brother uh so go back going back to your uh comment about dan Harmon and him playing his uh dungeons and dragons game with his ex-wife as someone who used to be an avid even 
D and D player, when you got a campaign going, it, it don't matter if you guys try to kill yourselves the day before. Saturday at seven p.m., you playing the next module of your session. All right, don't matter. All right, that shit is sacrosanct. That shit is sacred. You never give up in the middle of a campaign. Uh, Fair enough. Thing I like this week. Um, well, it's really something I'm still in the middle of uh, watching. I'm maybe about 80 episodes in. I started watching it when I was in Japan. And uh, it's on Crunchyroll. It's this anime. Mike, your shit's called... real choppy. I think he's frozen. Yep, Mike's gone. Mike's frozen. You want me to talk? Mike. I also want to talk about anime. I am also watching anime, just like Mike. Start talking about anime before Mike comes back. I wonder if we're watching the same ones. Um, Most recently, I watched a very popular one uh, called Sword Art Online. And, um, yeah, it's about uh, kind of a kid who gets sucked into this MMO world. They put a dark twist on it where if you die in the video game, you die in real life. And the only way anyone gets unlocked is uh, if they beat the game. Um, It it was pretty big in 2012. Um, It's fun, but the one I really want to talk about and I want Mike to come back because I want to know if he watched it. Um, so I'll mention it again whenever he can get back in. But uh, it's actually kind of a parody of Sword Art Online. Bobby, did you see that by chance? Mark said you and him might have watched an episode. What was it called? Sword Art Online. Because it's on Netflix, too, as well as like Crunchyroll and all that. Or maybe he meant Eddie. But said yeah, no, come on. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, that's a, that doesn't sound like a Bobby one. But... Uh, <laughs> It's it's kind of but the one I want to talk about is called Kono Suba. It's short for a longer Japanese thing. Um, so it's like Sword Art Online, where you kind of sucked into this MMO fantasy RPG world, but it's a total comedy. Because one, the the main party is this like one kind of protagonist, kind of an asshole, kind of a kind of a little bit of a pervert, typical tropes in your Japanese anime shows. But uh, then his three compatriots, one is a water goddess. But the first thing he notices, he's looking at her stats because it's like kind of a video game world. He notices her intelligence is really low. She's kind of dumb. And then they meet this mage who has really powerful explosion magic. But the catch is she can only use her magic once per day. And once she uses it, she's completely useless. As in her body goes like paralyzed and she has to be carried around. And then there's this like big like armored crusader knight named Darkness. But her catch is... Uh, even though she has like high vitality and defense points, she has no accuracy. Whenever she swings her sword, she misses. Um, and they also kind of develop her personality that she's uh, got like a masochistic fetish. And they really play that shit up. And uh, it's really hilarious, in my opinion. Mike, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Have you seen an anime called Konosuba? No. Because um, I was talking about, I recently watched Sword Art Online. And that's pretty big. I'm pretty sure you've at least heard of it. Um, But Konosuba is essentially a parody of it where it's kind of a similar premise, but it's super comedic. Um, I found it on Crunchyroll by total accident. It's had like two 10 episode seasons. It's pretty short in the world of animes. uh, I I loved it. Um, I'm super excited for the third season. I highly recommend that one. Mike, uh, you got cut off. You were talking, you were trying to talk about something on Crunchyroll and your internet failed you. Yeah, well, it's not that the internet failed, it's that I forgot to connect my laptop to power, so uh, it went into sleep mode on me. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's an anime that it's, I think it's pretty old, and I think it actually finished already. 
but something I started watching while I was in Japan, uh, I think you might know about it. Uh, Hunter, Hunter v Hunter, or Hunter x Hunter, however the hell you say the show. Um, I started picking it up just because every time I got a Crunchyroll, it was one of the top things ever recommended. And uh, it got to a point while I was uh, reading and studying in Japan, I just got bored. And normally boredom is when I start experimenting with the things I watch. So it's uh, unconventional anime. It's not like one of your DBZs or, or bleaches where it's just insane power-ups win the day. A lot of the times, the uh, protagonist and his friends, it'll actually take a strategy for them to beat the particular enemies. So it's been a pretty good show to watch. Pretty interesting to see how the story develops in it. So if you ever have any time on top on top of seeing Koma, Konosuba, uh, you can also watch Hunter x Hunter on Crunchyroll. Right on. Um, all right. We promised a Stranger Things discussion. And if I'm not mistaken, the three of us all watch Stranger Things. Yes. Um, so uh, overall, Stranger Things season two. And if you haven't seen it, we're going to start spoiling shit. I really liked it. I It's been like a month now, I think. Whenever, we, whenever it last, whenever it came out. No less. Whenever, I guess Halloween-ish was when it came out. I thought it was great. Um, the entirety of episode seven... Well, I don't know what was going on there, where she went on the side mission. If that that doesn't re- that really didn't play well for me, since there was no payoff this season. I suppose if like um, we're talking about the episode where Eleven goes meets to Chicago, seven or eight, yeah, meets eight or whatever, and then there's like I didn't I I, I think I'm assuming there's gonna be some payoff where you say with the sister letter. You say but payoff, Bob, but if they if they if you call that payoff. I don't want it at all. I think the moral, okay. Well, okay. Well, let me. The, the, moral, I, okay. the moral of the story, Bobby, is don't leave that fucking town. We don't care. We don't need world building. Like that's what's going to make this show. This this series jumps the shark. If you want me to care about another city and another cast of characters, like okay. I mean, okay. I think okay. Obviously, the whole point of that episode was to somehow give you more about Eleven. But when she left town, that's when I'm just like, I don't give a shit. And I'm with you. I really didn't care at that point. Um, besides that, though, I thought the show was so good. Um, I, I, I thought I, that um, I'm not going to eviscerate Marvel... episode seven as much as you guys are. I'm I not think... eviscerating it. I just thought it was unnecessary hour of television, like entirely unnecessary. I, I think I'm it was eviscerating it. I think it was an unnecessary hour of television just because that was literally the only hour they talked about it in the whole season. If that was all they were going to do, they should have just left that for the third season. Yeah. Well, they teased it. wasn't like the first episode or the first scene from the whole show was like eight or what? Was it eight? Yeah. The kid. They had the cold eight. opening where she makes the cops see the collapsing tunnel. I mean, you, and then you they, don't, they don't reference that again for six episodes. So yeah. Like, what am I watching? It reminded me of that House of Cards episode where I'm like, am I watching the right show right now? Yeah. What is this? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that show's done. Um, but I thought, um, okay, first of all, um, I went into this season with my favorite characters um, on this show Steve. being uh, Steve and and uh, Dustin. And then I came out of this still thinking, God, Steve's the fucking best, man. I mean, I I believe in the theory that Steve is John Ralphio's father from Parks and Rec. 
I'm one of those people. That is my version of the Game of Thrones. What's the what's the fucking this plus this equals that? I believe. Uh, Where's Hawkins at? It's Indiana. Okay? Oh my god. Yes, the Hawkins. That's what I'm telling you. I don't buy this. I don't buy this shit. Or maybe the Fawns, because the Fawns plays John Raphael's dad. I'm thinking Harrington got his shit together when it became a goddamn, uh, you know, guy to call. What is or OBGYN? You know, start delivering babies, and then he gave birth to some horrible children in John Ralphio and Mona Lisa Saperstein. Let's let's also uh, not forget. Let's also not forget that somewhere in him becoming a gynecologist, he realized my last name can't be Harrington. I'm just assuming like Steve's mom got remarried, and he's just like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, maybe this whole time he's like, look, my stepdad is real, my real dad, my, John Saperstein is my real dad, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm 100% in on this theory because, God, he's so good. And he gets his ass kicked so badly by the Red Power Rangers stuff. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, got, so, I'm so happy I'm not the only one that realized he was the yo, Red Power the best Ranger. Li- I think the best line of this season was what he said when, he, when, he, when the kids were trying to help him up and Dustin goes, you put up a fight. You got your ass kicked, but you put up a fight. <laughs> uh, that, was my, that was my favorite line of the whole thing. Steph, I liked the basic job. I like. I mean – I like the, uh, the like the cliche. How much of a cliche the Red Power Ranger was playing that bad guy. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. See, he's the one. I think that when you talk about payoff, there needs to be a payoff to this guy. No, like, no, 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 no. He needs to stay exactly the way he is. Just a prototypical Asian you know, villain. I, I didn't need the shit that his dad was hitting him. I mean, because I didn't need a, I didn't need any sympathy for this. I didn't no, need no, no, for that guys, dude. that makes it even more quintessential '80s. Because he's like part the blonde dude from Karate Kid, and then he's also part uh, the hell's that guy's name? The guy from the Breakfast Club, Bender. I think his name was Bender, right? Bender. I thought his name was Bender. I'm a bro. Breakfast Club. I thought the guy's name was Bender, though. The guy. William Judd? No, not William Judd. Uh. Judd the outcat, the criminal. You know that he Judd, was. What's the dude's fucking name? Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. John. He he was he played John Bender in the Breakfast Club. So suck it. <laughs> oh well. Okay. Well, and you know, and a little bit of him that you know, like his dad's hitting him. So you know that's why he's such an asshole. It was great. I thought there was a. I think it was like maybe three episodes in, four episodes in, Steph, where they put Dustin and Steve together, and I think that's what I literally like. I sat up in my chair, like, all right. Here we go. Let the hijinks ensue. <laughs> you guys are having a great time, so I want to. I think this is an appropriate moment for me to be a buzzkill. Um, the first half of the season didn't do a lot for me. Uh, I it ended tremendously strong, in my opinion. But I think this season, I thought they got too obsessed with world building. Um, I thought the first few episodes lacked all the charm of the first episode, and that's the fucking group dynamic. These kids were not together the majority of the season. Yes, Dustin and Steve turned out to be a great pairing. That didn't happen initially. That, that wasn't from the outset. The kids were split up. Mike went from being the main character of the series to as tertiary peripheral as it can get. You know? Like, Will was isolated in his things. Like, Dustin and Lucas were fighting. And, like, I, I, there was another uh, review I was listening to. it, And I agree. It's like, I get kids have to grow up. You know, they, they were trying to do a maturing of growing into things, you know um dustin seems like he's growing away from the group dustin seems like maybe in high school he wants to be a popular kid now he wants to be like steve he doesn't want to be in this basically losers club anymore 
Like he, he's he's changing in his interest, and I get that's a thing, but that was the charm of the first season was this group of friends, and they were not a group for nearly the majority of the season, and there was always something lacking. I mean, and that's where it was. That's why that eleven episode was so grating to me. Is we're just pulling her even further away, you know, and all you want is for her to get back to this group. And I get it. Okay, we're building for a payoff. And yeah, the payoff was good. The payoff was great. Like I said, it, it ended with a full head of steam. I thought I was super captivated by the end. But the initial was a slow drag. It's like, yep. okay, they're not really a group of friends anymore. These kids are being assholes to each other for selfish reasons. Dustin's lying about Dart. Lucas is lying about this. Like, everyone's lying. It's like, it's all falling apart. I get we're building drama. I, I get there's a story mechanism in that. But... You didn't enjoy the, the, them the, not being the, together. The you get it? Still don't like it. Yeah. yeah, you get why. Well, I mean, look, I, I I think we understand why. It was like they're trying to say, like, well, this was the impact of the last season where everybody's not okay. But it was like still like – I've noticed, by the way, with basically every Netflix series, I mean, there's a couple exceptions. But with every one, I'm like, we could have knocked an episode or so off of this. Like, we could have you, – you give me you give, give me some scissors. We could have edited this thing. We could have trimmed this up a little bit. Yeah, the one uh, – this reviewer, I'm going to steal their point. They're like – did we really need to show her steal that hunter's jacket? Like, did we need that sequence? Couldn't we have been fine knowing she just existed in the woods until she found Hopper? Did we need that whole sequence of her rock pelting the guy to steal his fur coat? Like, yeah, it was a little just too like, much at times. I think that she found her mom so damn easily, too. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, that was a little quick. That whole episode, man. Um, Mike, we got to give some shout out here to my man. He played Rudy. He played Samwise Gangy. Now he played fucking Bob, who gave our dude Will some hey, of the worst goddamn hey, advice ever. Bob Newby, superhero. Oh, God. Yeah, I know when he was in the car with Will telling him, you just got to plant your feet and say, go away. I'm like, oh, no, this is oh, no. not going to end well. <laughs> oh, th- th- why do we have to kill him, man? But, you know, like, I think Sean Aston, he he like scours the world looking for scripts like what can make me look like such a great hero. Like it's been about 15 years. I need another iconic character. Oh, man. He looked like such a dad. It was he was so well cast. Yeah. Making him the puzzle guy. I loved it. You know, like I, I love the whole thing. Like, oh, he's good. You know, they gave the AV club connection. That was a little weird uh, that he was the founder of the AV club. I think that was a little shoehorned in, but um, tremendous performance. Definitely a scene stealer. But again, how, how, how great is that? Back in the day, there were people that, uh, you know, a club was like dedicated to audio visual. Did you guys shit, like I, I did like when uh, he just got into it because I said it was like it was a treasure map. And yet the, they needed help with the clues and stuff. And he was just like, yeah, that's how I'm going to get this. You know, I'm fucking this kid's mom. I'm going to, that's how he's good. That's how they're going to like me. I'm going to do this. I mean, this, this thing is clearly, you know, among like the loser club from it. It's channeling Goonies. Why not get the head original Goonie kid? You know, it, it's it's only right that Sean Aston be a part of this. You know, it's such an, I mean, o- it's such an homage to the 80s anyways. Like, it's just, it's just perfect. But you know, did I also, anybody, I also anybody read catch that, that thing? Mm, what was that? So I was going to say, did you guys catch the thing? when Did it end for you and roll into this, like, making of thing? Yeah. Which was hosted. Did anybody? I watched that. That was really good. It was I watched, hosted by. I watched uh, the first episode of that after show thing. It was hosted by um Jim Rash, who played um Dean Craig Dean, Pelton from Community. Dean Craig Pelton on Community. He did really well. I thought it, they were pointing out some references that I just didn't know. Like I was like, oh, I didn't catch that. You know, 
I like their breakdown of uh, the creators talking about like the use of 80s technology. And they're like, the walkie-talkie is the greatest writing dev- plot device because it works perfectly when you want it to, and it's choppy as hell and has no reception when you need it to fail. Like, they're like, it wouldn't work today with the internet and cell phones and everything. But uh, By the yeah. way, hashtag justice for Barb. We finally got some. Man, that, that scene with Steve and the KFC where he said it was finger-licking good. I was... That was so great. That's, that's that's why I signed up for. I signed up for like honestly at the end of the whole thing. I, I liked I like Steve by the way when he's like practicing his apology for Nancy. Nancy he's like Nancy, I apologize. Then he's just like, why am I apologizing? Like he says it out loud. I'm like, yeah, man, you did nothing wrong. She got drunk and got angry. You didn't do anything wrong. Like what? Is, and I did another. I'm just gonna gush over Steve, quite frankly, because I liked when like Dustin saw him and said, hey, you got your bat with the nails on it. Is like, uh, why? He's like, we, we, we need it. And he just, Steve was just like, yeah, all right. I'm in for adventure round two with these kids. <laughs> Let's oh, so, go. Um, this is remind me, speaking of Steen stealing, I don't know the actor's name or even remember his character's name. I just know I've seen this guy. He was the sleazy, like, journalist type guy with the beard that uh, Nancy. Oh, he's and, good at uh, everything. And Jonathan yeah. go to visit. Um, yeah, when he just asked him in the morning, uh, how was the pullout? Oh that, God! Uh, oh, that was great. <laughs> that was uh, that was a moment. That was a moment in this series. Oh, Dino! By the way, no credit at all yet to um, Mad About You himself, Paul Reiser. I didn't know. I, I'm assuming he was the Mad About You checks had just been rolling in for this dude for so long that he was just pulling a Rick Moranis. Like, I'm going home. Fuck y'all. Did but he was back? Dying? I forget. No, he was okay because he got the paperwork for. Uh, 11 to get adopted by Hopper. I mean, I know you I know you give him that credit, but I credit it to his appearance in the original Alien. Um, it's just connecting back to all these inspirations. You know, he's the one who sends, you know, who, or tries to find Rip. Oh, he's aliens, right? He like yeah. he, he finds Ripley and he's like, oh, we need to go back out there. The Wayland Corporation wants to find out what it was. You know what? For her, her being away from the kids for so long, Eleven had a badass entrance, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't like the, them keeping them away from each other as long as they did stuff. But her, when she, like, yeah. when you just hear the sounds of her just wrecking these fucking things. Oh, absolutely. And just props to Millie Bobby Brown. She's the best thing about this show. You know, she is a tremendous actress. And, like, that's just going to be a career to see where she goes from here. Every scene she has, the gravitas is there. Like, just for her being as young as she is, you know, her scenes with Hopper, you know, they, they played off of each other so well. Um, yeah, that little that little girl is gonna be a big deal. But you uh, know what? I, 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 I don't give her too much credit because she's British. What? what does that mean? Americans are very easily charmed by them Brits. It's just... yeah, I, I'm extremely <laughs> charmed by her, and you know, I know that's the effect. Those British people, they're just they just seem to be good at acting. Have you ever met a bad British actor? I am I not mean, a fan of Ricky Gervais. I mean, he's a comedian. Really. Yeah, he's not really an actor. Fair enough. But he tries. I mean, like I think you're talking to a person who thinks Jason Statham is excellent at what he does. So well, <laughs> you're not gonna get I, any degree from I, I, I don't think uh, any of us think he's bad at what he does either. Oh, he's a goddamn pro. He's the he's he's Chef Chelios. I mean, did you see him in Spy? That movie was hilarious. I didn't. I heard he was so good. I still haven't seen Spy. I heard oh, he was Spy the best is part. really good. I heard it was a good movie, and he was the best part. That's uh, I, I, Melissa I McCarthy, right? Watched, yeah, with M- Melissa McCarthy, yeah. You know what? I got a coupon for a $1 rental. I might actually use it on that. That sounds like a good time. Um, yeah, I, overall, I thought it was really good. I didn't need the ending scene where the um, – what's the name of the big fucking monster? 
in this one? Uh, the Thayer, something Thayer, the Gorman, the Gorman dog, or some shit like that. Oh no, no, no! You're mind talking flare. about the big mind tentacle flare. thing, the mind, mind flare. Yeah. Where they had the mind flare over the school. I kind of thought we were like, we'll have these same kids, but maybe it won't be all upside down. You know what I mean? Like. I thought we were going to do some new shit. By the way, just so you know, in D&D, Mind Flayers, yeah, they were motherfuckers as well. Them shits are hard <laughs> as hell to beat. I think uh, my buddy said season three is just going to be the Goonies versus Cthulhu. This series. Okay. But yeah, yeah, why not? I'm looking forward to seeing more of the different numbers coming into play. Oh, I thought the little girl was really good too. The new little girl. I thought she did a good job. Oh, the uh, uh, redhead? Yeah, the redhead. I thought she did a good job. She was a good addition. Oh, she was great. Um, about the thing, I don't like what they're doing. I don't want this to be X-Men. I don't think each one of them needs to have a different power. I just want them all... I think they should have all just been telekinetics. Like, Yeah, but that's I think, no fun. I, that's the thing. I don't want this to be X-Men. I don't but want... It's, but it's not X-Men. We're two seasons in, and we have two people with superpowers. I mean, honestly, I, I was worried about, like, we're going to get an effect. Like, they didn't think this was going to go past year one. That was my worry. And it's, it was appeared... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they did, but they appear to the season two was fairly well put together. It looked like they knew what they were doing. We, it was a heroes is what you're worried about, basically. Is what I'm, I yeah, don't even watch heroes, it's, but it's, I know for me, it's like I said, it's why I, I didn't like the episode. I don't want them to leave Hawkins. My big complaints was it lacked the charm. The charm is in the characters we have. It's in the world we built. What makes the series jump the shark is if you get too big for your britches, you get you, you're, you're, you're going too out there. You're trying to make this universe. But, like, the charm is in these kids. It's in their dynamic. It's in these friends. I'm rooting for the group. I'm not rooting for superpowers. There's a million things I could watch if I want superpowers. And most of them suck. Which is why I don't want this to focus too much on superpowers. Because they always suck. Like, again, it's one of the things. You, you, you risk losing the charma in the heart of it if you get to out there with your ideas. Well, and that's well, what makes me nervous. We'll probably have a lot more time. There'll probably be a lot more screen time with the group because... I mean, Steve's not going to be there anymore. I'm assuming they're not bringing back the Red Power Ranger. Wait, why are we, bring, why are we all bringing Steve back? They Steve gave Steve out. Graduated. No, Steve, Steve talks about I can work for my dad. And yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Yo, that they is the totally best. That gave is... him his out. To stick okay, around. honestly, jokes aside, he's the second most popular character on the show. Or he'll be like a uh, fucking uh, Riggins where he was a senior and next thing you know, he's a sophomore for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, why? Why was why was Street hanging out with Riggins, man? How That's old true. was fucking Lila? Why? What was fucking? How Jason, old was Street Jason when he fucking Street, for for a man who's a star senior quarterback? His why the hell was he hanging out with a sophomore? And look, Minka Kelly's gorgeous. You know, going after if she's sophomore or not, I get it. But come on now. <laughs> Man, that's almost as bad as like Andrea in nine hundred two and L. Like, come on, you gonna tell me Minka Kelly was fifteen in that first season? Come on, son. That's called we got dragged this shit out, man. I mean, she was beautiful as hell, but she was like twenty nine in that first season. I, I, I thought Landry and uh, Saracen were the same age. They, I thought they were like childhood best friends. Look, man, it's hard for you when you're a kid for your best friend to not be the same age as you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> when when you're when you're ten. It's really hard to be close with a dude that's in the fourth grade. It's like, it's just, you don't have the mental maturity to be close friends with that person. You're not I with mean, them look, all the time. I mean, look, me and Mark and Stefan, same goddamn year, man. All right, this is what happens. It's who you hang out with. 
you can really only go like one year up or down either way in like high school, middle school friendships. That's about yeah. as most as you can tolerate. Mike and I, I mean, we, I, well, he wasn't one year ahead of me in law school. We were the same goddamn time. This is how it happens when you're at school. You hang out with the people you're around. Um, all right. Um, we're going to be back next week um, where we're going to talk about something. Probably this fight card. Maybe this one where Bisping's going to fight. Yeah, so soon, man. Bisping fighting Gastelum next Saturday. That's way too soon. I think uh, he's trying to get a free trip to China. I mean, he's probably just, he's like, you take my kids? He's not he's negotiating with Dana. Like, I want to take the UFC jet. I'm bringing all my kids. You know, I want to double my check. <laughs> all these things. <laughs> um. Oh, by the way, uh, I, we talked about it when it came out. I love Baby Driver. Baby Driver came out. So think about buying that or renting it if you haven't seen it. All right, kids, uh, as I mentioned, back next week. This was a super long episode. Uh, we promised a Stranger Things discussion. So um, there it was. This was actually episode number 258, not 260. So, How are you off by two episodes? I don't know. I mean, you know what? I mean, it's like I just kind of I – knew, I knew it was more than 250, and it had been 250 for like a couple, like a couple months. So, all right, guys. Thanks again. Uh, see you next week. Peace. Later. See you guys.